Hello, welcome everyone. Welcome to a new Cross Mining Cafe. Uh, today, our cafe is about analysis transformations, and I'm here with Rudy, and we are joined by Scott Leslie from Evident. Hi, hi, Scott. Hi, Rudy. Hi. Hi, guys. <laughs> Yes. Um, well, it's a little bit of a follow-up to our previous um, Prosmani Cafe about data preparation. We talked about that earlier this year. But uh, today's session is really about situations where you need to further change the data um, to make it more useful or to answer certain analysis questions. And as always, um, yeah, we would like you to join the discussion if you want to. Uh, just below this video, you can enter the chat. Uh, you don't need an account or anything. Just type your name and you're in there and you can um, yeah, ask questions or share your own experiences. And we keep an eye on it during the session um, and yeah, get back to that. So, um, yeah, let's let's get started. Maybe, Scott, um, to begin today, maybe you can tell us a little bit how you um, how you found out about post mining and what your yeah what your history is with this with this topic. Yeah, sure, Anne. But first of all, I'd like to thank uh, Anne and Rudy for having me join the cafe today. It's, it's a great thing, and uh, we started talking about this all the way back at the Process Mining Camp in June, and been talking about this subject. And uh, we're really, really excited about the, today's cafe. So thanks, thanks, you guys. Thank so, you. Um, yeah, thanks. So. Uh, at Evident, we've been doing analytics for 21 years. Is it 22 years? Gosh, it's 21 years. Just have to keep track, keep track of these things. Uh, and a number of years ago, uh, five years ago, we had a customer who said, can you connect the dots? Can you uh, show us how workflows flow from one place to another? Uh, and... So we looked at, and I started building, building and building and writing and trying to create the code for this. And I became uh, frustrated that I couldn't figure out how to do all this. Seems like it was really, really hard. So I have a friend over at Gardner, uh, Derek Myers, and I called him up and said, boy, this is really hard what I'm doing. He says, you know what you're doing, Scott? You're doing process mining. I said, process <laughs> what? Process mining? Yeah, there's a a bunch of smart people in the Netherlands that are doing what you're trying to do, and they've already got it figured out. And so I, I went and studied it, and I signed up for the first process mining camp that was coming up with, with Fluxicon. And voila, uh, I jumped in, and there was this whole world of process mining, which is, is just fabulous. So we've been doing process mining uh, since 2019 now, and uh, happy to be part of this world. So there you go, Anne. <laughs> That's great. That's a, yeah. That's that's really great to hear. And yeah, so we know that based on these projects that you have done, you particularly did a lot of data transformations, right? So we will come back to that uh, in much more detail today because yeah, that's a little bit of of the topic uh, the topic today because while normally we are emphasizing that you should work with the data that you have, right, Rudy, the whole data preparation cafe, we talked a lot about that people are often afraid that they don't have the data or they have too high expectations and that you usually should try to get what you can and work with that. But at the same time, we sometimes see situations where people take the data that they have and then they create a process map, for example, discover their first process map, and then they are stuck because it's not useful because it's too detailed, right? That's a little bit of a problem that some people have. Yeah, yeah. So often what we see is first they are very happy, right? So, oh, we have the data. We have yeah. some kind of data with a case ID, time step and activity. Then, of course, they start to import this and then they get a process map. And 
yeah, then you are happy, right? Because you see kind of a process, but then you need to think about, okay, how useful is this, right? So then you start having conversations with people who either understand the process, have a little bit more domain knowledge, or the people who you want to uh, trigger. Uh, and then you see that it's not maybe the right perspective to answer the questions which you want to answer. Uh, and then you slowly get stuck, indeed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so here the takeaway is um, that once you have some data, it, you are not required to keep the data exactly as it is, right? To, um, so if you get stuck there, it doesn't mean that you have to stop and your data isn't suitable and yeah, you have to find something else to do, but you can still continue. And um, yeah, sometimes you have to be a little bit creative um, and really think about how you want to look at the process. And then that's the starting point for seeing if you can shape the data to yeah to create this view that you want to answer your question. Yeah. Yeah. And often what we see in practice. So, so of course, if you have a very clear process of, or process uh, which has a very clear description, then this doesn't happen so quickly, right? Because you know what is kind of the object you are tracking across the process, uh, for example, a purchasing process. Um, <clears throat> and, th and then you have a clear expectation of how it should work. But especially with these processes, which are much more complex. Uh, so, for example, which we see in healthcare, uh, I think Esco does a lot of healthcare type of processes, but also yeah. processes in uh, click streams with customer journeys, because these are, these are also not standard, right? <laughs> Uh, and claim processes as, as another example where you have kind of high complexity. It is not so straightforward in a sense. And then the sheer complexity kind of requires that you make uh, things more simple yeah. or uh, yeah, figure out taking other perspectives to answer different type of questions. Yeah. 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 So I'm curious, Scott, how often were you able to just take the data as it was? Any time or never? Uh, let me see. Uh, never. <laughs> you know, and, and the thing is, is that, uh, as you guys know, all the data out there, transaction logs, audit logs, all this data, it was never intended for process mining because nobody knows what process mining is. Only we do. It was intended for other purposes. And so, yeah, it, 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 we have to we have to transform it into what we want because it was never designed for what we we're, we're trying to achieve. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's. I think that's one. That's one reason. So just the, to make it really to to just to make it useful in in the first place. But I think the other thing I want to add to that is also that sometimes um, certain questions require a different view on the process, right? I think really a nice example from the ones that um, that we have like in the data transformation series uh, for typical transformation tasks for process mining where we unfold loops so sometimes usually if you have something that's repeated you have this loop right so you see kind of a, a loop in the process map and that's kind of an aggregated view on the process where every time you're going through this repeated activity you're not showing it again right you're going back to the same node but there are certain analysis questions when you want to unfold um yeah the loop to really see like when you are going through it the first, the second, the third time. Um, but yeah, that's not the view you always want to have. So sometimes even different questions require uh, kind of, kind of different data sets. And so it's an iterative, it's an iterative process. Yeah. And it's also always a trade-off, right? So depending on the view you want to take and the insights you want to get, um, and maybe that triggers other questions that need to be answered in in, in another perspective. So often you are kind of changing be 
between these different viewpoints of the process. And it could be unfolding loops yeah, by folding them back up, right? And then uh, look at the process again. Uh, but if you really want to understand, okay, we want to look at these cases, uh, these cases which have these repetition at least twice, for example, to see if there are different patterns, and then you need to open the box again to kind of do the comparison. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And I think this type of uh, iterative work and this type of analysis, yeah, it requires a lot of domain knowledge, right, to know what kind of questions you want to answer. So I'm curious, Scott, how that um, works um, for you usually, like if you... Do you take the questions of yeah of your customers uh, into account when you when you create to create the right data or um, is are you going into it already knowing more or less you know to make it useful for post mining in general? How much is the interaction there in the beginning? You know, there's a lot of a lot of interaction. I think that you'll find that uh, business ops people. Uh, know their work very very well. They know when they're doing this type of activity, this type of activity. They may not have used the term activity before like we do, mm -hmm. but they know it very very well. So what I find we we do is we have a session with uh, some uh, SMEs in the business, and we pull up the data we've gotten, and and they can recognize even looking at it in raw data how that relates back to what's really going on. And so what we do is we have these sessions, and then that gives us an idea, okay, that really means this kind of messy thing means that's a clinical review, or this is a concurrent review, or a route exception. And so that gives us the ability to say, okay, now we need to go into that data and turn this really messy data into what they're telling us. So yeah, that you, you, if you get business ops people, because they do the job every day, all day, they really know the work. Yeah. And you just have to be able to have them guide you how to connect the data you have back to that work that they're performing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting that you that you mentioned this because what I what I often see in practice that you have kind of two levels, right? So you need to have the data, but the data is also on the technical level because it was collect collected by a particular system. So also the terms that are being used as part of the system are often very technical in a sense. And then you can quickly get into this gap where when you show these results in the in the operations or in the in the, in the business ops as you, as you are referring to it then people are not recognizing their own process right so yeah. these terms are then kind of misused or too technical uh, to explain so there yeah. it, you need to find the right level in between yeah. that's such a good point because yeah i think one aspect of why the data is not useful is exactly because of that right because it's too much on the technical level but when we want to analyze a process with process mining although the term event logs sounds a little bit like a technical term like looking at logs but that's why we always say well that's not the level on which we actually want to analyze the data the data should be on the business level on the process level this is where you want to analyze it where you want to make the improvements so yeah getting it from that low level technical detail to a useful level often means bridging that gap to this kind of process understanding right exactly what you both We're saying. Yeah, and you know, sometimes, guys, what happens is in the log file, you may have six, eight, ten, twelve entries all with the same timestamp. Mm -hmm. Well, to a business person, that's just one thing. Yeah. So, how do we turn those twelve rows into one thing? I and mean, that's really important. And that's that complexity that we have to deal with to get rid of in order to simplify it into something useful. Yeah. Exactly. Well, so to, to make this a little bit more practical, what we've thought um, uh, we share with you here today is two examples 
And uh, so we brought one uh, from the clickstream, the clickstream uh, online behavior um, on, a, on an online platform example. And then, Scott, we're looking at a healthcare example, right, from, uh, from your space. And we want to show step by step how yeah, something that wasn't very useful actually can be made more useful um, in, in the process. So yeah, should, should we get started with, with our two examples? Great. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let me bring up Disco here. Let me let me know if you can you can see my screen yeah. now, right? Yeah, we can see it. So, really, maybe you can explain a little bit what kind of data are we are we looking at here? Yeah, so this is clickstream data from an online platform. Um, <clears throat> and we have a case ID and a case ID in this uh, example is a customer number. Uh, so we are following customers through website interactions, you see a touch point, and that touch point in, in reality is a URL, but it's abbreviated to a single word or a couple of words. Yeah. Uh, and, and then we can use that as an activity. We have a starting timestamp, that's the moment of the click and the end timestamp is the same timestamp as the starting timestamp, so it doesn't, it's not different. Um, and we have uh, yeah, different type of attributes, right? Saying something about the individual or uh, who is visited, to which office they are kind of routed to if they do are doing a request and these kind of things. Yeah, yeah. So important this. Yeah, we're so, not really using no. the attributes, right? We're mostly focusing on the, no, the process no. dimension. And, and this seems logical, right? We are tracking a customer through the website. And so everything seems to be... Uh, logical because the customer number is the case ID and we have all these clicks that are happening. But of course, the, the problem is the sheer complexity. And so if the website grows, then every individual customer can kind of find their own path uh, through the website. And so there is no yeah, structure in terms of a process, right? So there is no description of the customer should go first to that page and then this is the logical next uh, page. And of yeah. course, in the context, we can see some kind of patterns. And so if you zoom out, you see some sequences that happen more frequently and even in kind of an application pattern underneath. Um, and so patterns can be figured out, but in in a total, it's very complex and messy. Yeah, yeah and we even, yeah, we're not looking at all the activities, right? It's still a simplified version yeah. here yeah. of yeah. the process. And I think we can see the problem also a little bit if we look at a single case. For example, here we see that all of these cases are really long, right? Yeah. So we see, for example, this case has more than 100 events. Yeah. And if we're looking at the activities, it's, yeah, it's a long, but also over a long time frame, right? So it's the same person coming back to the portal. So it's a portal where people look for work, right? And yeah. um, there's offers for work and that's there's trying to be a match um, on that portal. So we can see, for example, right? One thing I think we can show here is that There are certain repeating patterns. So, for example, if we're looking at the home page, then, yeah, that's something that people return to. Yeah. And so, so somehow you're visiting the home page or you're coming in as an entry point to the home page, then you are going to the, to the website and eventually revert back to the home page. So you can think about every time when you visit the home page and you take a new tour or detour, it's, Uh, to the next homepage, you have done something uh, uh, that actually means something. Yeah? So you are trying to accomplish uh, an activity or a task uh, or goal. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we can see that a little bit like as a repeating pattern. If we are making it a little bit simpler, so for example, let's say 3%, 
activities, maybe 2% path, just to show kind of kind of a high level view. So just the most frequent activities, but we can see this kind of looping yeah. behavior here, right? Yeah, if you do the, the case frequency, it's even more clear that you have different loops. It's not yeah. only homepage, you can take detours from different main pages, right? So now we see the context pages or the pages uh, which are visited quite frequently. Uh, and all of them have cycles, right? So you can go uh, through one of these uh, uh, pages and then take a tour and then eventually end up at this page again. Yeah. And so, Rudy, question for you. So the, the user going through this, they could do the same thing in in a different order. In other mm -hmm. words, a lot of these, these paths go different direction, but it's because of the order that they choose to do things in, correct? Yeah, you can think about this of a particular order, but we are looking at the context, right? So at the moment, we are kind of abstracting. Yeah? So the pages which you see are the main pages. So in detail, there are a lot of pages kind of in between that can happen. So this is more or less a main route where you go, for example, from homepage uh, to uh, tasks and then back. But there could could be that they have some intermediate activities in between. So it's more or less that we kind of decide this is a cycle and we want to break up the cycle. And so that's kind of the idea to make uh, make it a little bit more uh, um, yeah, compact. And one of the things what, what, what we want to achieve, because if we go back to the cases, then we can see it. Yeah, yeah. So if we look at all the cases, so if we remove the home selection at the moment, so one of the things what what I often are looking for is at the left side. So we see that we have a thousand cases. So this is a sample of a thousand cases, mm -hmm. but we have 983 different variants. So almost all uh, individual cases are different, right? So there there is no dominant variant. Yeah. Um, yeah. So and I think I think yeah. just to, to to jump in for a moment, I think Scott, that's what you're also referring to, right? So indeed, people can choose the order in which they do things. So that's one of the things that makes customer journey or these type of online behavior processes very complex because yeah. there's this high degree of flexibility. Everyone can do everything at any point in time, and people actually do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you're, I think is a variant may not really be a variant. The person may do the same five things, but in a different order each time and it looks like variants when actually in their mind that wasn't a variant at all right exactly yeah yeah and that's kind of the discussion yeah? so what do you consider to be a variant and then you that, that could be the argument to break up the process or to apply yeah. a particular simplification uh, technique yeah. Uh, and, yeah and that's the thing exactly so it's a really good point because when you bring the, the data to a higher level and we will see this based on the two examples that we show it's uh, usually it also makes the variants more meaningful so if you had maybe thousands unique variants in the beginning, you can get the data to a level that you have variants that actually group things that are considered similar in one bucket again, while here it's not the case. Yeah, yeah and still, and I think that's also the argument, it's still useful, right? So if you are looking at a complete life cycle of a particular customer, these very long journeys, it still gives a lot of information, right? So what is a customer kind of experiencing if they go through this full cycle? Yeah. And so it's useful to answer a particular question. But if you are looking, for example, what is a customer actually doing yeah, on the website and is he achieving what he wants to achieve, then it becomes a very difficult perspective to answer that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and here, so the example that we picked, just to emphasize again, it's not the, the one way to do this or that this is kind of the way to deal with customer journey 
processes not at all it's just one example uh, like how you can choose an angle or like an analysis perspective in, in terms of making this more useful is by for example saying we could break this up and look at these kind of choose the the cycle to home right like really like you said there's actually yeah. different cycles here but we are maybe interested in the one okay what are they doing between different sessions starting at home um, so if we see this case here for example then yeah as we have seen there's multiple times that they do home so yeah that's what we wanted to show based on this case um yeah we could for example filter for this case and then just say case um that one so we now have just this one case and then when we export it um yeah we can export the csv uh, and then we put it on the desktop And yeah, so for this one, actually, we, we started already to prepare it in Excel to make it a little bit faster. So we have already highlighted, like just like we did just in uh, in Disco before, the, the various instances of home. And these are the, the cutoff points that we that we want to use, right, Rudy, to yeah. Yeah, split so it, off. Yeah, so now it's sorted, right? So if you read it from the top to bottom, then it's sorted based upon the timestamp. So all yeah. these activities now happen in the order in which they were clicked. And at the beginning, if you look at column D, uh, they don't start at home, right? But there is a first occurrence of home. Yeah, so here. that's at line 18. And then from home, they start the first tour, right? So they go yeah. to yeah, my messages, my bericht is Dutch, but... Uh, and then uh, they go to a couple of pages and yeah, questionnaires and eventually they end up to the homepage again. Uh, so that's row 42. Yeah, that's one, the next one. Yeah. yeah. So, so considering the visits of home, we can then kind of split up um, the sequence uh, into multiple cases, right? So it's from a customer perspective, it's one case, right? So it's one customer going to the whole process. But now we can think about breaking up uh, this case into you know, smaller cases. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And to do this, what we are doing is we are adding a, a column. So we are inserting a new column here. And then, um, yeah, essentially we're basically just adding a counter, right? So a counter yeah. Yeah. for the first session. Then here we start counting up to one. So every time we are seeing, um, yeah, that home, It becomes a new iteration. It becomes a new iteration, yeah. So, so I'm just doing this until here. Then we're doing so that's the two. first time home was visited. This is the second time when home was visited. So the information is already there, right? So it's not that you are making up something new. It's it's kind of adding this information um, and making it as explicit. Yeah, exactly. Maybe we should have chosen a shorter one here <laughs> but bear with me so we have i think five or six right we will yeah. see four so maybe while i'm adding those sequence numbers scott is this scenario something that you have done for one of your scenarios yeah i mean this is, what you're doing we is you have a uh, a point in time there where you group And, and what we do is we group that into an activity. So every time you see home, you say, okay, that's, that ends or starts the next group, and this is what you're doing. Yeah. So that's very, very common. Look for something in the data that gives you a breakpoint, which you can group and then group and group again, because then it becomes logical. You guys, in this case, called a subcase. I might call that an activity. Yeah, yeah. 
Depend depends on the data, of course. Yeah. yeah. So another example which which I've seen in practice was from Beth. Uh, she she was in previous camp, yeah. uh, and she has shown from claims that the the claims can also be become very long and very complex. And then they were thinking about, okay, but how are we handling these claims? So then they were looking at claims in combination with what happened uh, for a claim in a day. So they used the date also as part of the case ID and then break up these sessions into smaller pieces. So it's also a very creative way to think about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we're actually looking at kind of activity groupings in the second example, right? When we're looking mm. at your example, Scott. But I think the interesting thing here for this first one is that we are actually splitting, making this um, the splitting on the case level. So we are reducing this long scope of the case by breaking it up into shorter cases. We are, we are not taking out any details. Um, we are keeping all the individual kind of steps, but yeah, breaking it up um, by, in this case, a session counter. But like really just said, we could also have used the date. And then if you combine, and yeah, maybe we can best show this. Uh, so... Yeah, so let's see. Can we open this Excel? Yeah, so here we have this additional column, right? So so that's what we are doing now. So we are importing. We still have the case ID as the case, as before. But now we add this additional column also as yeah. part of the case ID. So what happens is these two will be combined, concatenated, copied together. Um, and thereby, yeah, we get a more detailed, yeah, smaller case. So the scope is being changed maybe we can show it that's the best way to to do it so if we are looking yeah to the cases view it used to be one case right but now we have actually uh, five different cases here yeah so the one yeah. zero it's before the first one yeah so it doesn't contain home of course because it's before and then that's the first one and they all start with home now so that's what they have in common yeah because yeah. And yeah, if we would have taken the date, for example, then the date would also be part of the case ID. And then yeah. different sessions on different dates would also even be split up across a different, because some of them are going through multiple dates, right? So here, for example, we see one session, it's 17th of February, but continues on the 19th. So actually this continues across multiple days. If we would have the date, then this would be split up also into actually yeah. two separate ones. Yeah. yeah. So the scope is different. And Actually, so we can look at that already now also based on the whole data set, because in the data set, you, you did exactly the same thing, right, Rudy? Um, yeah. You already added such an attribute. So if you go back. Yeah, so of course we did it now manually. So yeah, if you need to do a thousand cases, uh, half a million rows, then it's kind of hard, right? <laughs> it will take some time. So yeah. you, you can do some scripting. And we have uh, a blog post where we give an example of how you can do this, right? So it's not uh, something you have to extract in the original data, but it's something you can unlock as part of the existing data. Uh, so in this case, it's a Python script that kind of uh, fills in uh, this, this column for you. And we do the same thing. So we had this uh, column already in the data. We configured it as part of the case ID. Yeah. And now we're importing it again. And so the same data set, but now with more cases split up. Yeah. 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 And now we can analyze it. Yeah, we can, yeah, we can analyze it. But we can also look at the cases. And so... Um, yeah, so it's useful maybe to focus just on the... Yeah, on the process for the cases that have actually the home, right? So to get rid of the ones 
exactly. maybe before yeah. the first session. So let's make home kind of a mandatory activity uh, like that. And then, yeah, so if we're looking at some of the cases, then we see indeed. Well, there's some of them and it's actually variant one. Right, it's where there's only home. Maybe that's also not so useful. Yeah, yeah, it's logical, of course. Yeah, you visit the home and then you're kind of done. So people, as of course in the conversion, it's often a big group that just finishes the first page. Uh, but yeah. of course, we can kind of exclude them from the analysis. Yeah, so we could we could directly filter the the variant, but we could also, and that's useful uh, in general for customer journey analysis uh, really right you mentioned that you can use the performance filter for yeah. example to yeah and not only at... on the duration but now on the number of events yeah. so we are looking at all uh, interactions that take place with at least uh, two pages being visited so excluding yeah. only the ones with which have one yeah. so now yeah so now we can start to analyze yeah. the process right and it's in a more it's a more meaningful way so, so it's based on driven from this question, from this perspective of the question, like how are people going through um, yeah, these cycles of, of home uh, in the platform, we can now ask and analyze different questions. So what could we do, for example, yeah, so have yeah, their so, CV or something, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's that's a, that's a, so maybe that's a question which we can do in a moment. But often what they, uh, what they, what, what they also have is they have some kind of error that can happen. Uh, when you start visiting uh, this uh, this home uh, page, so if you zoom a little bit more out using the slider and look for fout is Dutch, but yeah, so that's uh, an error page. Yeah. And now we can look for all occurrences where people have visited the home page and then somehow during their visit, an error uh, happened. <coughs> Yeah, so it's more of a technical yeah. question, but it's very frustrating, right? I think people know that if you're trying to do something on a website and there's an error, so you actually hope that someone is analyzing those kind mm -hmm. of sessions and sees that these errors occur and, and is fixing them. So then you can see when this error happened and we can yeah. maybe see again where it... Yeah. And in the previous scenario, we have all these cycles, right? Because customers are cycling through the website, right? And these cycles make everything a lot of... Uh, complex and now we have just a visit from homepage so from the context of the homepage we can now see when this error occurs right yeah. Yeah. after which page for example yeah exactly but i think on a yeah to, to really understand how people are using the platform then you are not looking at the technical aspect then you're more looking at yeah more kind of functionality behavior yeah. questions right yeah. how are they navigating for example yeah exactly so in in this Example, uh, they they want to update their resume. So there is a page called My Resume, or in Dutch, Mijn uh, CV. And yeah. it's uh, one of the, if we're looking at the home page, we can see there's some dominant places where they go to next. They can yeah. look at messages, they can ask a question, and then updating, updating the CV is on the left here. It's one of the major things yeah. they're yeah. doing. And now we can lift out all the interactions that uh, go through that particular page by clicking uh, on my resume. Yeah. And well, you, you could do that, but you could also, and that's, I think, nice again, uh, if you're looking at a tool like process mining, where you have really this process dimension, um, is that you can also yeah, analyze the process perspective also for parts of the process. For example, if you're interested in 
what happens, uh, how do people arrive at this CV page? Do they do other things in between, right? That's one of the things that we uh, we could look at, for example, from home, from to, home to, to my, my CV. To my resume, yeah. So let's let's maybe do that. So if we say endpoints filter, that would be uh, trim first. And then we want to see once they arrive at the CV. So let's see my CV. Yeah. So that would be until, what are they doing until my CV, right? Before. Yeah, so what is their route going from the homepage yeah. to uh, my resume? Yeah. And then we can see, okay, there's different things that happen in between. And the thing is, once you're narrowing down, so we have a more useful perspective now for the through the data transformation. But then, of course, in the analysis, you can also, again, zoom in more. And by doing that, yeah, the, the process maps are much more manageable. And you can often then also bring in more detail again to... Yeah, to see to see what happens in between. Yeah. And if you would do that in the in, in the previous data set, the sequences are very long, right? So then you are just looking at the first one, right? So you're yes. looking at the first occurrence for every customer going from home to uh, my resume. And now you are looking for every occurrence that happens uh, where you visit home and enter my resume, even if it's the second time or the third time, right? So uh, yeah. Yeah, all these interactions yeah. are... Uh, visualized in one one view right or you could turn it around so that's just maybe another perspective we could also say well um, maybe we want to look at everything that happens after my cv right so after yeah. you you update your cv uh, on this page yeah what are people doing afterwards so then we're taking kind of a pair of scissors and cutting off the process just before my cv and then uh, we say after my CV. Let's see what that is. So now, yeah, as you can see, my CV is now at the top, right? And we see the process of the things that happen afterwards. So yeah, it allows us really this kind of behavioral analysis. Yeah, on this kind of user interaction level, so it's quite nice, I think. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so, so, yeah, do we maybe, did we forget something for this example? I think creativity is a, is an important point, right? It's not, yeah, there's not like, it's not like a script or a blueprint or something that you can say, well, for customer journey analysis, just do this, 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 you, especially for this type of complex data, you really need to think about what you want to know and then shape the data, but then also the analysis based on that. Yeah, yeah. So there, there's no one solution, right? So there, there are multiple options, and you can choose uh, from these options to 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 create a view. And I think one of the most important rule of thumbs is that you kind of stay as close as possible to the domain. But I'm not sure if Scott also has this experience that that's kind of the challenge to make a picture that they really understand, or where they say, "Oh yeah, yeah, this is what I what I thought it should be should work." Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's the goal. Is that is that also the check for you, Scott? If if they say, "Oh, I recognize this," that then that's the success criteria, or yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, 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 again, back to business ops people, they um, are very uh, keen on the work being performed and the efficiencies and, and the flow of the work. Uh, so the definitions of that work um, has to be in their, like you said, their domain in their terms, and so. 
yeah, you have to learn from them. Okay, what are, what are the key work activities? What are the key case types in their terms? And make sure your data lines up. And when you go into process mining, uh, that they say, oh yeah, yeah, oh I didn't I didn't know that was happening when we did a route. Right. But if you have terms they don't understand, they say, well, I, I don't know where you got your data because that's not what we do. When actually it is what they do. You just didn't use their terms. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's yeah exactly about bridging that gap and bringing the data yeah to this higher level, like on this activity level, which is, I think, what we want to show in, in, this, in the second example. Right. So let's let's maybe get started with that. Um, so Scott, I have here the data set that you that you brought, and we can yeah maybe you can talk us through a little bit what what kind of data is this? Where is it coming from? What kind of process is this? So this is the what they call the audit trail. So this is every transaction that this particular application, which is a medical management application uh, for a large healthcare plan, does. So every single time somebody Uh, does something in that healthcare, in that medical management system, it writes a row. And so it is a big data set, and we get so about 300,000 rows of this every day. We're not going to show you 300,000 rows today because that'd be a little overwhelming for the cafe, but we'll do a small sample. That's what Anne's showing you here is that exact data coming out uh, of that log file, the audit trail. Yeah. Yeah, we can see already it's not doesn't appear to be terribly useful because it's very a little bit technical but also really detailed, right? So but yeah, still we wanted to see what, what does that look like. If we just take the raw data. Uh so let's maybe do that and just um yeah, save that as, as raw data. Um here. Just this one tab. And um so yeah, we can we can look at Scott, what what does the case ID mean here? What does it mean? Uh, well, it is the encounter ID of the patient. Okay. So if they're going in for a treatment or for a prescription or they're going to an, an inpatient, checking in the hospital, checking out of the hospital, um, it tracks their, their, their journey through their health condition. Okay. Yeah. okay. So that's all the same patient here, for example, or patient interaction, if you say, because there's 158 rows and then only starts a different number, right? So all of right, these 158 right. rows are the same patient interaction. Exactly. So, so that you, you first have a problem, a medical problem, and then you contact uh, the provider, the, the health plan, and they start working this case until at which point, Uh, your health problems uh, for this particular issue are resolved or moved on, and then they close the case. And it could yeah. take a week or two. It could take six months. Yeah, and we see it's different dates. We see uh, it's not just all happening on the same day, but we also see it's, it's really detailed. But this is what we are yeah, using as activity name here now because that's really the the raw data on this detailed level. And yeah, if we import that, we can see. Yeah, we can see the. Uh, <laughs> The spaghetti that we're getting, right? And well, we're actually only able to to look at everything, uh, and it's it's really this big thing. But yeah, it's actually if we're zooming in, it's not very kind of useful. Uh, the the process. Let me go there. Uh, but actually, it's a very yeah. So the process 
names. That's what we talked about before. It's probably they wouldn't recognize their process based on these kind of technical kind of IT um, heavy kind of names. Right? Yeah, so I remember, Anne, that, that the IT people, the, the application people, really, that write these logs, they're writing it for the purpose of things like doing audits and troubleshooting and, and archiving this or that. And so they write all this crazy detail. Yeah. And for everything that a user does, there may be 50 different versions of it in those details that make that way of looking at it in a process mining graph, you know, pretty much useless. Exactly. And we see it here. I mean, if we're looking at individual cases, we see it's each of them has more than 100 rows. Uh, this one, 60, this one, 160, right? And yeah, very, it's just 10 cases. So that's the amazing thing. We have this complicated process map, but it's actually just 10 cases that are shown here. So yeah, so we can we can agree that it's not very useful um, to analyze that. So, yeah, so the, the first step that you took to make this data more useful, is, uh, we can show that on the next tab, right? So maybe you can explain a little bit how you, yeah, how you were doing this grouping, because we see kind of just visually there are these um, lines now created, kind of you created blocks within the same user session. You created blocks of three and then more and then six five six events right so you have you have all these events and what you want to do is you want to block them like we've done here into an activity so what what constitutes an activity so one thing is when the user id you see in column f there changes from one of that is going to be a different activity you don't have two users working on the same activity so there's one criteria we use or if the case id changes so in some cases you're looking up uh, tracking a person doing different work but then they're working different cases so there's two different ways to do it and then there's another one which you may have a user working a case but then there's a long time lapse so they work on a case and then they don't work on this case for let's say three or four hours well that's not the same activity because there was a big gap there and we usually put a time out it's more like typically 20 or 30 minutes and then we break it up that way so what you end up at the end of the day is a is a block of these events that represent a unit of work that and we in the process mining world call an activity yeah yeah, and so in this case, right, so we have, have it sorted based on the case ID. So all of this is the, the user, the same user session. So in this case, what really marks kind of the, the change to a different, uh, what you then call activity, is that the user ID changes. So actually this column, and we can see that it's yes. actually the same within each of the blocks, but then it's different um, as soon as it changes. And that as soon as there's a new user working on this uh, patient session, then it's becoming a new block, a new activity block. Right? And, you know, in healthcare, it's very typical that you will send it from, as you can see, the title from a customer service representative to a nurse, to an external consultant, and so on. So it needs to go to different experts to work on the case, depending on exactly what's happening to the patient at that point in time. Yeah. So that's very typical to move from person to person in an organization. Yeah. So that's like one ingredient, the kind of grouping. Um, so where to draw the boundaries. But then um, you also did something, you created this mapping. So this column here is a new column that wasn't there before. 
where we can see that for the whole, um, yeah, all of the events within the same block, it gets kind of a, a more high level name, but also the same name. So you, you assign this name based on the events in each of the blocks. So, so yeah, how, how did that happen here? So we found that whenever there was a block of events, there was a one or more triggers inside the knowledge uh, column. We call it in here the knowledge column that represents the entire what the entire block is is as an activity. So you see where it's in red there, Anne, on row fifteen. If we see completed concurrent review, we know the whole block is a concurrent review. In this case, other there are uh, some more specific concurrent reviews, but if we don't see something more than just completed concurrent review then it's going to be a concurrent review other now if you go down to if you when you're writing go down to row 500 around there it gets really interesting some of these ones at the top are the same thing over and over again a little bit boring oh you see different rules yeah yeah so we can show that but if, if you write it look at some of that so for example before it was just one but here any signature so here you have two different ones right it's either yeah, or. Um, yeah, either or. So uh, actually, 510 is a really interesting one. 510 down, that block will just scroll down just a little bit from 510 down to, yeah, 527. Um, so we need to get you different colors, you see. This is a complex one. In order for it to be a discharge update, it has to have not only the first, but the second, the third, and the fourth criteria met, and that becomes a discharge update. So that's an AND case. So we could do an AND case called an all of the signatures, or we could do an OR if I see any one of these. So there's a lot of different kind of rules that you can apply here. Um, and another one I not, not may not be here was when you get to a, when you see a certain um, uh, data element, then you stop the activity, stop the block right there as well, rather than waiting, because sometimes uh, one user may do two activities. And they get to a certain point like, uh, okay, I'm done with this part of the activity. I'm going to go to another activity, and I'll, I'll break it into two activities. And that uh, can be triggered by a certain uh, part of the knowledge field. So there's there's a, a bunch of different ways to block this data. So as Anne has shown you, there's there's a, a variety of them here. But this is interesting. So if you, if you would pick the case ID here and include also the user, uh, name as part of the case ID. Yeah. Like those? Yeah, those. And then you get smaller sequences, which you could analyze to kind of find these patterns, right? So, so then you can kind of go through these examples to look for, look for these patterns. Huh. Yeah, that's why we call it, that's why we give it a name, discharge updates, because then you yeah. can start evaluating a discharge update or you know, a concurrent review and start yeah, to see yeah, of these course. blocks. Yeah. yeah, but that's the outcome, but uh, to discover, right? So that's what you did. Huh? You discovered all these scenarios, so you have to build these rules, and then you don't know the mapping yet. So you can even use process mining in order to discover uh, the mapping. Yeah, yeah. yeah so that's yeah, why it's an iterative yeah, process, yeah, right? Yeah, By yeah, looking yeah, at course, the data, yeah. sometimes you realize, okay, yeah, actually, yeah. I need to group this, or it's a separate yeah, thing, yeah, and then yeah. you want to split it off. Yeah. Mm. But, it, but it looks... Yeah, it, it's very difficult, right, Scott, to to arrive at all these these rules. So if you see, well, it, yeah, you, you, yeah, I mean, what you start with is the again back to the business operation folks. You work with them because okay, what are the top ten and get them used to the term activity, of course, because we like the word activity. Did I 
drop there? No, 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 you're still there. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Um, so what, what are the top 10 activities you guys perform? And let's go looking for those. And then maybe the next 10. And so at some point you have, you have to try to say, okay, we need to, to categorize nine, we like to say 95 to 98% of all the rows into a finite number of these different types of activities. And, and we'll show you later that this particular data set, there were actually 63 different activities. Mm-hmm. But consider the amount of things going on here. Uh, 63 is not a bad number. I would have preferred 25. It would have been a little easier. But uh, one thing you don't want to do, though, is stop at the first 10 and then call the, everything else an other, then other will dominate. Yeah. And it has no, no value yeah. at all. Yeah. And how much time did it take in order to find uh, the right rules, to find the right perspective in this particular example? It, it took it took about three sessions with the customer okay. uh, to do that, to go through, and we do a first run. Now, uh, you know, the thing is, is what's really important is. Uh, we you do we do these sessions. You get two or three of these subject matter experts, and you get them on the call for a good three hours because the first hour it takes them a while to get their brain going. That's mm-hmm. very very important. And once you started getting into it, then you start to develop the rules. And with what we've built, you run the rules, you show the result, and we start to see some statistics. Okay, uh, there were. Uh, 18,000 clinical reviews done yesterday, and there were 1,100 concurrent reviews, and so on and so forth. And they say, yeah, that sounds about right. And so not only from looking at the workflow individually, but looking at the statistics, uh, yeah, our people mainly do clinical reviews. So that's another very important point in uh, in attributing the data, blocking the data so that the activities represent the work in the same way, because what you want to make sure is they they buy into what we're showing. Yeah. Uh, I know we've uh, been in projects where we weren't really doing it all that well, and they say, "Well, that's not our that's not our work. I don't mm-hmm. know whose work that is." And yet, it was their data, so it's clearly our fault not getting the data organized properly. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. So it's really like their feedback gives you the kind of the confirmation that you have it right. But the the buy-in is such a such an important point. Like also when you check data quality, right, um, and you involve the domain experts in helping you verify that the data is true, looking at exceptional cases, for example, and seeing okay, this is really what happens. It it it's not only it does not only have the goal to. Um, achieve that task and to validate the data but it, it really has this effect that they trust the data more because they have seen okay it, it is actually really what happens so yeah that's a it's a really good really good point yeah i mean and in one in one case for the um outpatient clinical reviews are very very important and they want to make sure that the people are spending most of their time doing clinical reviews and that the numbers you know are First of all, from a volume perspective, are consistent, and then also from a time perspective. What is the average time it takes to do a clinical review? Mm-hmm. I mean, if somebody's taking 42 minutes and the average is 21, well, then we might have a bit of coaching to do to help find out how that person can get down close to the average. And it's very, very helpful because the process mining is now showing them uh, the workflow, the process in their terms. Yeah, but that's actually a good keyword because to get there, we actually have to take one more step, right? So let's maybe first look at what we what we achieved so far. So we added this column by creating these uh, rules. And like you explained, there's different logic, different rules that create this mapping based on 
the definitions. Um, but now we have this additional column here with which which we can use. So if we save this data now, let's do it um, right away and save this as let's call it uh, map data. So we have mapped the data to this kind of higher level activity. We have this new column. And uh, so if we go to Disco, let's open that and see the difference. Uh, and we configure it a little bit differently. So now we are not using this kind of very detailed one, but now we are using the, the new one, the activity name that, that we have created based on the role. And then once we import... Yeah, we can already see the names are, are more meaningful, right? So, um, yeah, it's a more, more meaningful view. I think we could even, again, look at everything. It's not that complicated. But um, we see there's this, this kind of looping. And that's clear, right? Because if we're looking at a case, we now have mapped each of those kind of blocks onto the same, um, yeah, the same high-level um, term the same high level activity so we have mapped it we have more meaningful names but we have this kind of loops which especially if we're looking at the performance view which you just mentioned if we want to see how long did we take we can't really see that here right so if we're looking at mean or at the median uh, view um, you know, let's pick the median for example then we can only see how long it takes between like two different uh, activities, but we we don't see how long things actually take. So to be able to do take that perspective, we actually have to take the next step, right, Scott? So yep. maybe we can show what you did there. So that's then the third tab. And to explain what we did on that tab, let me go to the top again. Basically, what you did is you took um, yeah the first timestamp and the last timestamp. So let me highlight that maybe here for the first one along with then the other data that we had before, right? So, for example, all of this, all of this data um, for the first activity. And then for the, the next one also, again, let's use a different color, maybe blue. You again took the, the not all of them, but just the last timestamp, the first and the last. And then again, it's just session ID and, yeah, these kind of, other fields and based on those you created this kind of aggregated one where each row is now one of the one activity right so here we have the the pink one and this one is the blue one so i think it's clear right if we're if we're looking at it like that from before and now how we have collapsed this kind of mapped but still very detailed event level data to this kind of aggregated activity level yeah. view. Yeah, so if I understand correctly, the, all the activities of all the events in the previous view that happened in between are discarded, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And now you can see the start and the activity start and end of each of the activities. You have the activity name. And the other great thing about this is the data reduction is substantial. You know, 15, 20 to 1 reduction, which it doesn't add value to have all those extra rows in there, as you guys know. But if I can have 20 times less data, uh, I can do a whole lot more from a performance perspective in process mining than if I have, you know, so many rows. Exactly. And now I'm already exporting this level so we can see again the difference uh, from that. If we go to Disco, let's open it. So it's again, it's all still these same 10 cases, right? But of course, 
you would do this then on the whole data. And here, again, we have now the start and the complete timestamp. Still the high-level activity name, but now we're starting complete. And yeah, this is bringing us this this aggregation. So it's kind of aggregated data. Um, yeah, where we can, especially if we look at everything, yeah, we can look at the, maybe we can. You know, and, and let me say, Ed, it's a big deal for you process miners out there that look at things at 100%, 100%. I see a lot of the salespeople in process mining kind of not mentioning that they're showing 1%, 1% because they know what a mess the data is and they don't want the, the, uh, the, uh, the new customers understand that oh, it's you got to do something with your data, but and showing something one hundred percent, hundred percent, and that shows you that the data is really, really valuable. Yeah, that's some, that's something that you can achieve with the right level of abstraction, right? Not always, but often, more often than not, by simplifying the data, aggregating it to the right level, you can actually bring in uh, all the details again and not just look at one percent of mm. the data. And that's a good point. <laughs> I think that yeah, the work which you have done with the domain experts or the experts here. Yeah. That's that's kind of where you find the balance, right? Between these activities that are valuable to see as part of that map and the things that you are eventually decided to 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 take out. Yeah. 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 And here we can see now the, that that's now possible, right? What you talked about before, Scott, that they can now look at their process on this level that they understand. So the terms are now kind of the activities that they recognize. Oh, yeah, we are doing a lot of clinical reviews, for example, right? So they they see that here reflected and they can look at the timing, right? And then now analyze, okay, is this the correct time for how long this should take? For example, should, should this take 2.3 minutes or should it take longer or shorter or yeah yeah so i think the difference is very clear right going from this very technical very detailed level to this level where we have the the right level of abstraction but also can can analyze the duration and like you said like yeah we really compress the data into this kind of more useful more useful level so yeah so there's there's one more thing we wanted to show based on this example right because we Part of shaping the data for analysis purposes is also, again, driven by the questions that we have. And so, for example, if we're looking here again, still now at the, the new data set, which is on this high level, we could have additional questions that we cannot answer with the current data as it is. Uh, for example, if we would take a more of an organizational view on the process, we have information about the user, but yeah, we don't have information about, for example, which department they're in. If we want to look at the handover of work between departments, that could be an interesting analysis for this process. But yeah, based on the current data, we're not able to do it. So um, yeah, so what you also brought and what you're doing in your data preparations, right, is to bring in, enhance the data with uh, additional information. So we have like a separate tab here, which is kind of a separate database, uh, which has this user information about all the different users. It's anonymized, right? Fake data, by the way. So it's not real data that we're showing here, just to make that clear. Um, and then, but we can see for each user, there's additional information. And so, for example, we could look up the first one, just the, the user here. Uh, we could look that up in the, the next table to see. Yeah, so here it is, for example. Yeah, so then we see, okay, this user, 
is, for example, in the department uh, GNA Complaints and Quality. What what is the GNA? Do you know what that stands for? General Administrative. Okay. It's a it's a kind of a meaningless thing they put in front of too many things, but it's as general as it gets, right? <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. And some additional information, like where they are and the title. But yeah, the, so the department is really like this column that, that we are looking for. But yeah, there's one thing that we wanted to talk about if we're looking up data in this in this additional table, right, Scott? Yeah, so what we're what we want to know is at the point in time the activity was performed, what department was that person in? Or which manager did they report to? The the user database you're seeing, like any other of these kind of, uh, of databases, is a state database. It is always current state. It has no history. So what we do every day is we populate additional fields in our activity table, which, uh, and you'll see this when we go to this in, um, where are we at here? We're in the, okay, go to the next tab then, Anne. And you can see in the green there, we've added manager, we've added region, and over to the right, we've added department. Okay, this is the region manager and department of this person on the day that they perform the activity. And this is so important because people can move from one department to another or from one manager to another. And if you look at it current state, somebody that did something 30 days ago, if you don't do it this way, then you'll look at their current title or their current department and it'll be incorrect. And then, therefore, it will be of no value trying to do process mining with somebody who was um, a nurse and is now an IT analyst. Oops. Yeah. And so so we, we attribute every day, so we freeze in time what they were, and we can do that in any kind of state database like a user or, or a case database or anything else that represents current state because the timestamp data usually doesn't have that many fields. Um, and what I see a lot of people making the mistake is, oh, that's okay, we'll just do a relational uh, connection, join to it. But they don't realize the temporal problem that it doesn't matter anymore because that state changed yesterday or the day before last week, whatever. So yeah. at this point, we have now attributed and we can continue to attribute all this great stuff on the time and on the date that the activity happened. So I, I hope that, that everybody sees just how darn valuable that is. Yeah, yeah. So, so what you're actually doing is you are not only making a snapshot or a picture of the event log of that given day, but you're also looking at all the attributes that day and then store them uh, so that you have the values of this temple data for that given day so that you can attribute it uh, at a given time. Yeah. yeah, and I'll mention things like this is I learned the hard way, guys, when I started doing this. I asked uh, our customers to do this for us. And it just they just didn't understand it it was too hard uh the joins were impossible and so on so finally i kind of gave up out of desperation said just send me all the different data tables all the database we'll do it ourselves and it was so much better than we do ourselves so for, for you process miners out there if you depend on it and other database people to give you exactly what you want uh, you may be waiting a long time it's better just take the data and and use uh you know some really great rules and working with the business people and just do it yourself you, you'll go there a lot faster and a lot better 
I mean, when I first started, and what I did was, because I didn't know what I was doing, I'd say, okay, I got my process mining data tables I need, you know, my cases, my activities, my tasks, and I go to the customer, okay, give me this stuff, you know, here's what we need, here's my requirements, and I didn't get anything back. <laughs> I don't know what you're asking for here. What is this? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, it's, a, it's an interesting experience. So that's that's a that's a good tip, maybe. So yeah. at least, or if you are not doing it, to stay close, right? Not that they spend a lot of time, go away for months, and then come with something that it's not useful, but that you can check in between if is this going in the right direction. If you're not able to do it yourself, maybe because you're not allowed to, or yeah, yeah. And I, I think also the the example here that you brought with these kind of. Yeah, the history of those kind of data fields that change over time, I think it's a really important one. So the solution that you have is that you uh, collect the, the correct historical data on the fly. That's, of course, um, yeah, a good solution if you can do that. I think people who sit in a different situation and have, um, have to analyze historical data based on how it is, um, they wouldn't be able to do that. But it would be still important for them to be aware of this limitation. So that's why... Uh, It's, it's one of the questions also in the checklist for data quality problems that you are looking for. Do you have the history, not just for activity names and, you know, the, the key cross-mining attributes, but also additional data attributes? Are you maybe missing the history and are looking only at the current information because, yeah, that might have changed over time? And if, if that is the case, either you can maybe try to see if, if you can find, uh, I don't know, database logs or something about status changes to these kind of fields, if that's important to get correct and kind of follow that uh, afterwards. But if not, then at least you have to have the awareness that the data that you're analyzing is yeah, not, not correct in that sense and that you might have some, some kind of blind spots or some misrepresentation there and interpret it correctly. So that's often one of the important things of the data quality evaluation to know like how usable are certain parts of my data and Yeah, how confident can I be in the analysis of them? And there might be an error margin if, if you have if, yeah. if you're not able to do this. Yeah, I've encountered this once. So look at uh, IT service management data, and then from mm. the HR system, kind of extracted the roles uh, information, and then glue everything together, and then created something new. But what we saw that it was not correct, right? So we kind of realized that it was not correct, and then found these examples uh, which were not correct, and then saw that there was drifts. Mm -hmm. And it was getting worse when the time frame was getting bigger, right? So yeah, if you yeah, are looking yeah. for three years back, right, and then of course uh, everything has changed. But if you make the time frame smaller and smaller and smaller, and do do this more current level, then the problem also gets uh, gets better. So there are then ways in order to deal with this, but it's also kind of an awareness that you need to figure out how to solve it in the long term because and this this problem that you get. Yeah, temporal changes to data fields, which you want to include. Yeah, how do you want to solve it? So it should be part of the way how you collect this process mining data to yeah. improve the data quality eventually to unlock more opportunities, as uh, Scott has done in this example. Yeah, and I'll say that what we've settled in on, it works really, really good. And I haven't had any um, 
any second thoughts about is daily data is the greatest thing. And, you know, we've had customers say, can, can we have something like hourly? And I said, what would be the point of doing it hourly? Mm-hmm. You really can't do any analysis on an hourly basis because things, you need a bigger picture than that. But from a temporal perspective, and, it, and things don't change on an hourly basis. People don't change departments every hour. I hope they don't. You know, that'd be kind of funny. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, every day, it's a great thing. And I will tell you that sometimes the, the customer's database system will go down. They say, well, we can't get you uh, some uh, state data, like a case data, uh, for a few days. And we get extremely nervous because every day that goes by, there goes that snapshot because they can't give it to us back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I can see that. It's it's it's, it's something that's uh, this specific problem. It's it's a little bit tricky. So I think it's a nice one to mention for people to to pay attention to because it's easy to overlook, right? Like Scott, like you said, people say, "Oh, it's very simple. Just take that table," and they don't realize that actually it's the the current data and yeah, we're looking at historical events. So, but yeah, so here we have added those three columns so now we can actually do this last time so i just while we were talking i just exported already this new and last table also as a csv and uh, so we can open that in disco now it's now this enhanced data dot csv file so it's the same one as before but we have these three additional columns and now what we are doing is we're actually not using the activity name we could also use the activity name but let's Now say, well, we want to completely focus on this kind of organizational dimension by making the department our activity, right? So we shift the view of how we look at the process and then based on the same data, and again, we can uh, look at uh, everything here. Um, no, maybe not. <laughs> It's a little bit more interaction, but um, yeah, we, we can see now the interactions between the different the different departments, right? So how it's going back and forth. And also here, looking at the performance view, we can see how long it stays in a certain team uh, and how it's going back and forth between the different groups. So yeah, it's again, it's not that this is the one thing you should do, but it's like a analysis perspective that we weren't able to take before we enhance the data like like we've just shown. Yeah, I'll mention something else, Anne, that that comes to mind on big companies like this one, is because they, uh, big companies acquire the companies, they end up with three or four different names for the same exact department function. Mm. And so another transformer we would do would be create like a aggregate department. We have an extractor. Okay, if you see this, then it's called, um, let's call it. Uh, Uh, let's just call it um, primary review. And so we go, oh, if it's that, that's primary review. It's this, it's primary review. And then we end up with one department instead of five because they're actually all the same functional department anyway. So another thing you can do, especially, you'll see that a lot because companies keep acquiring each other and then eventually you have this unbelievable variety of data that really isn't as varied as it looks. <laughs> Yeah, so it's another instance of yeah, aggregating, mapping and aggregating things in the same bucket, which appear to be different, mm. but aren't. Mm. Yeah, so another example is uh, is the one from uh, a Spanish hospital, right? So they did kind of something similar. Uh, but then we're looking not at departments, but in this case, an MRI scanner, right? So they are looking at the inflow and the outflow of the MRI scanner because it's the bottleneck. And because you now have 
done the mapping, you can lift out all the cases that go to this MRI scanner and then look what happened before and what look uh, look what happened afterwards. So it unlocks completely different perspectives to answer these new type of questions which were not available before. Yeah. Okay. And also, you know, you, you what you showed there, Anne, is different ways to let's make the department the activity and so on, but also filtering. So we could look at a bunch of cases and bring in a filter like it could be high priority cases only. Show us what high priority cases are. Or let's just look at things for uh, the Western region. How are they performing? And so the filtering is another uh, really good use of having all these extra attributes in your data. Exactly. Yeah. So you can use it for taking perspectives, but also for segmentation purposes like this type of filtering that you mentioned yeah and there you have the same problem right with these kind of case attributes you also um, want to have them like kind of on the historical kind of yeah and and let me tell you what what i the the small data sample i gave you was was the outpatient part of of the utilization management function overall but if i gave you the entire three hundred thousand rows it would represent about i don't know eight or ten different areas and in your spaghetti chart would be you know spaghettini chart (laughs) yeah yeah exactly now yeah so we we deliberately um took these kind of very small examples to really be able to walk through them with you step by step right and to really show exactly what the steps were that we were making and to make it very clear what the and we could really see from each step to the other like what the added benefit was for for the analysis that we could do that we couldn't do before but ultimately uh scott like you're saying you have to do it to a large data set right so to before we close the session we also wanted to talk a little bit about scaling this and doing this on a on a on a on a on a a more automated basis and really right what we see in practice we usually see that people use the kind of the the it infrastructure that they have right some do everything in sql others work with etl tools in your data transformation series you also use python and we try to use different tools to show this but you need some way to to automate things we can't do copy paste in excel very quickly anymore yeah, so often this works when it's simple, right? So the simple transformation. And I think it's still useful to to use something simple, right? So in Excel, you can do the dis- uh, you can have these discussions, you can look at these examples, uh, can have these workshops uh, to figure out how to do the mapping. Um, but eventually, when you are looking at bigger data sets, or uh, when you try to translate this to prepare uh, the eventual data sets which you want to use for your analysis, yeah, you need to repeat this process multiple times and then it becomes a pain, right? If you need to copy and paste every time and it can take hours in order to you know, transform one data set. So you need to figure out to do this automatically. Um, and then you need to choose something. And yeah, yeah from my perspective, I, I don't think it really matters right so there are different type of tools so it also depends a little bit on the skill you have and uh, what's kind of uh, yeah brings the solution more quickly uh, to what you actually need and and how you need it right so do you need to do this just once or does it need to be repeated multiple times is it only process mining what you want to do or do you want to do other things as well with the same data uh, these can all be kind of decisions and uh, um, yeah, things that are weighed in into the decision what you eventually want to use. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and the scale in total, right? So, so I'm wondering, Scott. So for for the 
for what you have built. So are you, is this something that has evolved over time, like in terms of making it able to deal with larger and larger data sets? How long is such a, such a run, for example, if you do it, do you do it on a daily basis or how long does it then take to do all of these transformations? Can you maybe share a little bit about the scale? Oh, that's a lot of, okay. It's a lot of <laughs> questions in there, Anne. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'll, I'll give you some of the, the what it is we face and how we got where we are. And that is, the first problem is when we first started doing this, we would actually do, if you start back 2019, we would bring up spreadsheets. And we would do exactly what you did today, and with our data. Uh, and then we would go write transformations in a variety of different places like SQL or Python. And then we get it where we thought it. And then a week later, we'd have a meeting. And they'd say, oh, that's pretty good. Uh, then change this and do this. this. And another week go by. And, and in a couple of months, we'd have something up and running. And I thought, this isn't. This isn't good. We, th we're taking way too long to do this. So uh, we came up with the idea of writing a product where we could bring the data up and tag the data like we're doing there live, run the whole data set, show the results, tune it, run it again. And so the goal was to do the whole process instead of two months and do it into one day. Now, that sounds crazy that we could do it in one day, and maybe we can't always do it the first day, but we get much farther because it's in, we actually write the rules, and we run them, we get the results, and they say, okay, do this, do this, and we write more rules, and in a three-hour session, we get a tremendous amount done. So that's the first part of it, is how fast can we get it up and running, and much faster if we have a product to do that. So we created a UI-based product that an analyst uses rather than we need a programmer, because a programmer has to go away and come back, and then they come back and usually they they don't do exactly what you say because there's a disconnect between the business people and the programmer here we're yeah. connected yeah. so that solves that can problem. i can i ask a other, question yeah. can i ask a yeah, question is please, it is it a please, little bit yeah. like a like a, like an etl tool for example where you define more on a logical level more through user interface like the type of interactions that need to be chained after each other so like on a on a general uh, in a general category is it is it similar or The concept. Yeah, you look at what you look at what you what, how you want to transform. We have developed in our in the data uh, transform refinery, which, by the way, this is a brand new product. We're just introducing it uh, at the ICPM coming up in in uh, Rome. Hope to see you all there. Yeah, in I know two weeks that, we will uh, both be there. So let us know. Yeah, uh, we'll both be in Rome <laughs> and hope to see all you guys that are watching today. Uh, but uh, so the thing is, is that. There is the ability to have the analyst say, here's what we need, and how do we deploy that quickly? And that's what we need first. And then the, I'm sorry, let me go back to your question. Your question was, go again. Uh, yeah, so, so, but it's about the logic, right? I think maybe we can, we have a screenshot of the rules. Let me. Yeah, I think that's a better way to do it. How do we create the logic? Yeah, because before, yeah. if you remember, like in the, when we created the mapping from the raw data to the map data, we, Yeah, so there were different rules, like how did we assign this kind of grouping, like for the activity name? And there were, it's right. if, if one occurs or all occur or one yes. or the other doesn't. And that's, 
these were just some examples, but actually, yeah, so that's, uh, I think, what you have So here, if right? you bring up the screenshot, yeah, we have a transformer. Yeah. We have a lot of transformers. This one we're going to use here is called the activity namer. It's going to group rows and, and name the activities. So when Ann brings it up, you'll see a screenshot that I sent uh, Ann uh, from the tra transform refinery product. Yeah, so you see the group activities view, right? Is that the one that, uh, are you um, seeing that? I'm, no, not yet. I'm <clears throat> still seeing Excel. Okay, so let me go back to see if we can refresh it. Can you see it now? Uh, no, still I think the screen, screen is frozen. And okay, so let me maybe go back. Yeah, so can you see it now? No. Okay, so let me maybe restart this on my end. But maybe, yeah, Scott, you can... Describe I'll try to, to verbally do it best I can. But basically, we we have, we bring up the activity namer, uh, activity namer transformer, and then we 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 start adding rules: a rule for clinical review, a rule for concurrent review, a uh, rule for secondary review, and then uh, it's the rule says if you see this and this, or see this or this, then that those rows become that activity and we also tell it what um where to to block the data like based on case id or by user so you give it some some um, parameters there and then what it does is it takes goes through all the data and uh does exactly what that does except in in the in our database but not in excel and because it's in our database so there's no scalability problems and also the performance is very quick we can do things hundreds of thousands in a row in a few seconds because we've optimized it and that's one transformer then the other transformer you saw and right after that was where we converted all the, there we go there it is there's the data transformer yeah thank you so I mean, there's a lot there, but in this case, there were 63, and we see 23 of them here. But there's the exact rule. So we, we use a, a rule that says, I, I start at the group start, which is the, the user, and end. And the first rule is going to be called the split off. And in order for an activity to be called split off, it has to have either those three Action split, boy, it's very small for me, sorry. The orange one or the blue one. I'm trying to, I can't read them because they're kind of small here. E either one of those three happens and that block becomes that one. Then all of those rows are removed from the the next uh, iteration, which is row two, and it goes to row two. And in a hierarchy, starts to tag all of the rows until they're all tagged and ready uh, to be, uh, they're, they're tagged for activities and they're ready to be reduced. Then I didn't send you a screenshot, but we have another. The next one we would use uh, is called the uh, the converter, and then it collapses all the data. And so we'll collapse all of these rows we call tasks into activities, which is what the second one does. So we'll do a, we'll do a tr apply the second transformer. Then the third transformer, which you do have a uh, no, you don't have a screenshot, but you, we applied was the lookup transformer. So it looks up the the data based on a different table and a key ID so that you do a key and then a key value and then it goes and grabs the value and populates the table and that's a lookup transformer. Um, so uh, I do have one other example here just to, to, before we wrap today. The, uh, the extractor, 
And that's the other one I sent. When you want to extract data out of something and return it, this is the extractor. So we're going through a bunch of rules again. And we pick a field that we want to pull from and another field we want to write to. And the rules can say, well, we want to begin when we see this string and we want to end at the end of the string. Or we can say, we want to begin when we see this string or end when we see this string. So this is very good with URLs because a URL can be 192 characters, but there's something in the middle that we care about. We can, we can go grab what's right in the middle and pull out many times what is actually an activity name out of that crazy URL. But it may be over here, it may be in the middle, it may be here, or it may be called two different things in two different rows. But by applying the extractor, we can go through this, what looks to be absolutely impossible data to deal with in the URL and turn it into, into very valuable business data. So there's a couple examples. We have a bunch of different transformers that we apply, and then you just run those, you know, in a, in a refinery, we call it. And what spits out the other end is what you guys get to put into, into Disco. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think the key, the key learning here is uh, the reuse, right? Because often what I see myself doing is, if you have such a process mining initiative and you're asked to do an analysis, you extract data, you need to make it suitable uh, for the analysis, right? So sometimes you need to mingle the data a bit, you use what you know, and eventually you get the result. And, but sometimes you forget that it needs to be repeated, and maybe not by yourself, but by somebody else. So Well, and also, Rudy, it, it, yeah. needs, to, we, we, it needs to be maintained. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, it's NASA, because right? the, so, yeah. the data changes, the business changes, and now we have this UI-based transformer, and we say, okay, um, we've added a new thing. We just did it recently for electronic medical record. We want to track e EMRs. Okay, we go in there. We add a rule for EMR, and, and actually, we're back up and running with EMRs in the next day or so, and that's super powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but also this logic and eh, these rules which you had, they, these are very complex. And eh? so if you want to repeat the analysis and maybe if it was uh, one year later or half a year later and it's done by somebody else, yeah. uh, it's really difficult, right? So oh, yeah. If, don't have the code, yeah, if you, if you saw root, yeah. if you saw our hard-coded transformers, you can forget anybody uh, other than the person that wrote them to understand what they were doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I want to highlight uh, again what you just said, really, because I think that's something we often discuss, right? It's like when people get started, I think you can look at it from two perspectives. Sometimes people fall into the trap that they try to make a whole scalable, big thing before they even know what they want, right? I think, yeah. like we yeah. discussed before, yeah. it's actually good to start even maybe on Excel level based on examples to really understand what the goal is and what you yeah want to achieve. But then... On, at the end of that, unless it's kind of a single exploration, you shouldn't forget to exactly take think about the next steps, like how to make it maintainable, how to scale that up. And then we are exactly talking about the things we're talking about here right now. And from what I understand, it's, I think, uh, Scott, what, what you've built is, yeah, it's kind of reusable, like an ETL tool. I think that's an advantage there too, that you can reuse the workflows that you built there and rerun them and kind of store it in a, in a logical way. But I think the interesting thing here is that that's prosmining specific, right? These kind of transformation roles. Yes are kind of typical kind of for these kind of mappings you would want to make. So Yeah, yeah we nice build transformers thing. to take the data in and from whatever, you know, crazy data we're getting and turn it into process mining activities. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, that's very specific stuff. But otherwise, uh, you know, there's plenty of generic ETL tools, but they don't have any context for what the end game here in process mining is. And that's what we're all about. Yeah. So thanks for sharing that with us here in the example yeah. and also uh, yeah, in the session. Maybe before we close, we want to close with some last kind of tips. And by the way, if you're watching, if you have some tips from your own data transformations or analysis transformations or general data preparations you want to share, you can do that now in the chat or send us an email later at cafe at flexicon.com and we will include it also in, in, the, in the show notes. But before we do that, I want to pick up one question that we got from uh, Marcos. Uh, where he said, let me let me read that out, um, that he, he has a problem that usually, like when we were talking about the kind of the technical data, right? Maybe we can show that really based on the clickstream data, which is also kind of, yeah, very kind of this kind of, yeah, we, you have these detailed steps on the on the different pages, for example. And yeah, so it's, it's kind of, if you look at everything, um, yeah, it's, It's, it's too detailed, right? That's what, what we have discussed. But uh, what uh, he's saying that he finds that often the interesting activities happen between the activities. So that's kind of the exciting thing that he wants to understand better. And um, so I think that's exactly the advantage of process mining is that you can explore that too, right? So that, for example, maybe going back to our, uh, let's see, where was that? The initial uh, clickstream data where we didn't have these kind of, Uh, chopping up the cases into multiple ones like we did but here everything is still like one long case right that's the initial data set that that we looked at uh, for for these kind of online platform uh, what we can also do is rather than chopping up cases we can also look at what happens between for example two important activities or two kind of steps and then look at the detail again so for example if we want to see what happens <clears throat> between Uh, let's say, well, it's maybe not even a path, but maybe, yeah, or maybe between ask question and, um, yeah, what does work? That, that's kind of the... It's a folder. Folder, yeah, yeah. kind of folder. That's where that's, everything is kind of combined. Yeah, yeah. so I'm, I'm not sure if this is meaningful or not, but we could mm. want to say, well, we know this is kind of a very high le level, accurate view, but we, we know there are things happening in between and we want to understand what's happening here in between, right? Between these two steps, exactly. like the 242 yeah. times. We can do that. So we can, if we remember, ask question and back map, um, then we can do just that. So we uh, use an endpoints filter. And then we say, uh, ask question. And then the other one was web map. I think transverse is even better. Uh, yeah, that's true. Web map. Let's use trim first. And then we say, yeah, between. Yeah, so what happens in between these two uh, pages? So and I'm not sure if this is going to give me very meaningful result, but and then again, uh, by, mm -hmm. by zooming in on this aspect, we can, yeah, okay, if we look at everything, it's still a lot, still but, complex, um, yeah. but 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 it becomes feasible by by taking these kind of questions, and then now we can see exactly, okay, between ask question and yeah. Wagmap, we can see, yeah, we know already there's there's things that happen, yeah. Yeah. and something, if we want to, yeah. we can do. Yeah, there's something very nice in the data as well. So if you go back to the data, yeah. Uh, and go I go back to the filter. Okay. So in this case, there's an attribute filter mm -hmm. on the attributes, which is called page rank. So we included here the frequency of the page being visited. 
So this all the way at the bottom. On page rank, yeah. Uh, yeah, page rank. And now we can select the level of granularity of the pages based upon the page rank, how often they are visited. So for example, should top 10. Should I take 10. the top 10? Yeah, something? so okay. first top, take the top 10. And should I keep the selection from before or should I remove that? Uh, yeah, you can keep it. I think the only thing is if you remove it, I think it's more close to, to reality, but let's see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. So top yeah. 10 pages. Yeah. And then now you can move up the slider. Oh yeah, now we really see the Yeah, this, this, this is the view for the top 10. But there's a granularity level, so it's not exact. So if we extend this and make it the top 20, you see more detail. So it becomes more complex. Yeah. So so then you can look at it as, as a scale, right? So you can see these pages in between. But now the definition is I'm only looking at pages which are visited more frequently. Yeah. Uh, and then you can see kind of the view here. So that's a way to play with this. Yeah. And uh, we're at so, 100%. Yeah, yeah. So that's a nice thing, yeah. Yeah, and of course, so Mark is correct. Huh? We want to know what happens in between with certain pages. So you can also lift out specific pages, right, by filtering, uh, enabling them or disabling them from the view. But one of the challenges is, is sometimes we see that we have activities in between which we don't have re recordings for, right, so which we don't have events for. And then these things happen, but we don't see it in the process map. And that's also important. So then we have to go back to the system in which we record these events. And then that these events eventually should be part of uh, the data recording. Yeah. Okay, very, very good. So I, th I hope we answered uh, Marco's uh, question. And um, yeah, so we can come to, to some last kind of tips or recommendations in these types of transformations. So one thing, right, really, that we see is it's often useful to to add additional information like the page rank or the if the case ID that we the case ID session counter that we added. So it's usually a good idea to add those, but to keep um, the original data in there too, so that you yeah. yeah you can still check if everything is correct, for example, and you still have the original data in there if that's possible. Um, yeah, so if you start finding and replace something, cutting and pasting uh, or removing rows from your data or start transforming without having any traceability, then, of course, there is a chance that you make mistakes and you will make mistakes. So that's, that's kind of it's just happening. And then eventually you see something in the process map that doesn't add up. Uh, but then you are able to trace back and you, see you should have kind of something that's fixed that doesn't change. Uh, which is related to the original data, and then you see where you made the mistake in the transformation. And I think that's a good good practice uh, to yeah. have because then you can always check where was wrong in the transformation was wrong in the original data because there could also be something wrong how the data was being collected or how you extracted the data in a certain way. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah, Scott, you had a, had also a tip or let's say a, a recommendation where you said like the... How did you formulate this? The, the age data is not as valuable as yeah. people think. Well, so one of the things that we run into with these large, large data sets, I think we're, you know, we're at one, one project we're doing three and a half million rows a day. Um, you know, you throw three and a half million rows at any tool, I don't care what it is, it's going gonna, it's gonna to slow it down and it's, gonna, it's not going to work. And so... Uh, what are, are we done? We showed aggregation today. That's really important. Um, but the other thing is that we found that uh, let's limit how much history we give the customer. So depending on which health plan it was, we may give them 
two months history or three months or six months. And so we just limited it based on what we thought was reasonable performance. And then uh, I said to the guys, I said, you know, hey, let's find out how often they ask for, hey, how come it doesn't go back further? And as I told Ann the other day, she was cracking up because it, the answer was never. They, what we found out was that they really don't care about the past because the past is a past they can't do much about. They care about a week ago, a month ago, maybe two months ago. But as the data gets older and older, it becomes less and less valuable. Now, what we do is we create an archive system as a just-in-case. But, you know, we haven't invoked the archive system once, which cracks me up. thought for sure somebody would ask for it. But your performance... I mean, the thing about when you're doing process um, mining, like any analytical, when you look at the the charts and graphs, you're coming up with conclusions, you're coming up with recommendations that present this knowledge that you can bring forward. But if you have to wait for each chart for 30 seconds or two or three minutes, you lose your train of thought. And as an analyst, you really can't work with it. So um, if you start to really work with data set, big data sets, you better be careful on how you do all this to keep the performance up. Because no matter what the the software guys will tell you about, you know, we have the fastest algorithms in the world, that's fine. But at some point, enough data can kill the greatest algorithms in the world. There you go. Yeah, this interactivity is really important. That's also what we, yeah, yes. what we aim for. So that to, yeah, first of all, yeah, to make this go so fast and and so scalable that it can deal with really really large data sets. So that's really important, I think, about yeah, the tool being able to be used in all kinds of situations because of for that because of that reason, right? You have to interactively be able to explore things. If you and like you're saying, if you just wait two minutes, it's like it kills this interactivity. So so that's really I completely agree yeah. with that. Yeah, let me throw more thing more at, at this, Anne, and that is when we do because we get these you know a little bit longer data requests. So usually for some kind of report, not for analysis, right? And you can take your time on a report. Okay, I need this amount of these columns for this. I need a report that shows me this. Okay, here's your report, right? But analysis usually is not happening over that long a period. It's usually over you know some shorter period. So that, always we always when we do our trainings, we always try to separate analysis from reporting because they're two different mm -hmm. topics. I completely agree. Very good point. Yeah. Thanks for, for bringing that up. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so maybe, um, yeah, just really quickly, we got a follow-up um, uh, remark from Marcos about his question uh, about the activities that happen between the technical activities, uh, where um, maybe if we just briefly look at the map again with... Um, With the, with the process steps where we saw, well, there are things happening in between here, right? What we were just showing is that we were currently ignoring some of the events in between. But uh, what Scott, um, not Scott, um, Marcos clarified is he was thinking about if these steps that happen in between happen outside of the system. So yeah, they are okay. not in yeah. the data. Yeah. Uh, it's true. Huh? So that can also happen that you have phone calls or in a different system and it's not in the data. And then, of course, you don't see it. And so for that, we have, we will share it also with the, with the show notes, the links um, that we share afterwards with the recording. Uh, we have an article about that that describes this problem in detail. So then you have basically missing activities in the data. And the way to go about it is to use the data as you have it, uh, but to be aware of those blind spots, right? So then, for example, if you see a certain uh, long time here in a, in a certain place, for example, this 
takes 3.8 days and you say, well, it shouldn't take 3.8 days, but then you know it's not 3.8 days that nothing is happening. Uh, but in fact, um, you know that there are things happening, but they are outside of the data, so you don't see them. And uh, so in the second iteration, if the main problem that you find in your analysis is really in this area, then you can choose to collect some more detailed data in this place. But for, for example, uh, to manually collect it or in some other ways to collect additional data from that blind spot. But uh, yeah, we generally don't recommend to do it beforehand because you don't know whether this is actually the problem area or not. So it's kind of in a second phase um, that could be something you could do. So we will share the the article um, so we can... Yeah, and, and I'll, I'll mention what we do with that, Marcos, is uh, we look at those gaps and then we go looking for, by, by talking to the business people, what are they doing? Well, they're going to these websites. You know, they're doing a lot, lot of in healthcare. They go to a lot of websites because that's where a lot of the knowledge is. So then we'll instrument um, uh, desktop agents that that collect data on whatever they're doing, like going to websites. And then we will we will mix that data in to fill in those gaps. But like Ann says, first figure out you know where your gaps are and ask the business people. Okay, what's going on there? Then go looking for the data they tell you to look for. Don't just randomly say, I wonder what they're doing. That's just too hard. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And so, yeah another another example which I've seen is <clears throat> uh, if you do an application that they kind of book the application in the system at a given moment in time, but the actual application was done when the email was coming in, right? So it's not it's the moment at which the email is coming in, right? So then you need to go back to the email box and then check, okay, when was the email coming in? Because that's the actual moment of the application. If it took half a day before they actually booked it into the system, yeah. you are losing half a day. And if you're looking to SLAs, then that makes, makes a difference. Yeah. 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 Okay, so yeah, maybe one last comment is that all of these transformations that we're talking about, keep in mind, we mentioned it before, but just to highlight it once more, it's often, it's really domain specific. So all of these transformations, there's not like one right answer, but you do it to look at the data on the right level. I think we have a very nice example from Fran, also from the healthcare space where she showed from a nurse, she's a nursing uh, informatics specialist. And she shows also like how she transforms the data to visualize something that wasn't able, she wasn't able to see in the data before. We will link that too. It's a really nice example and shows, yeah, it's, it really depends on your domain perspective and the questions that you want to answer about the data and so don't be afraid of yeah taking the step and further shaping your data in the way that you need it to be um yeah so we hope this was useful yeah. thanks a lot um yeah scott for joining us right rudy i think we'll well thank 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 you guys for for inviting me in and working with me on this has been a great little project that we worked on to get here so thank you very much great yeah great thanks yeah, yeah. So, yeah, thanks thanks a lot to all of you for watching. Um, if you want, you can, yeah, if you are at the ICPM conference in two weeks, uh, you can meet Scott and myself and also Rudy Red. We will have some, some additional sessions for, for people to connect uh, in addition to the, yeah, to the normal ones. So just email us um, at campatfluxcon.com and we can set that up. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so... Thanks again for watching today and uh, we will be back with another Pros Mining Cafe in November and there we will be actually talking about data registration, data collection. Um, so stay tuned and see you then. Bye everyone. Bye everyone.